Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your hosts, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome in, everybody, to the live show of Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. It's a post-game reaction show, not the final outcome that we were looking for. Seahawks drop one to the Los Angeles Rams at home, 26-17. to 17. Keith, give me your instant reaction. Like the whole thing, all in like 10 seconds. Um man i hope wilson isn't hurt bad and what a just disappointing day um overall yeah is that yeah, 10 seconds you know, enough yeah let's go home i mean really <laughs> right. that's pretty much gonna say it all so um you know it was interesting because i thought you know in the first quarter i thought i kind of had a good vibe about the game you know like the offense looked okay but it was going to be kind of some defensive stops the the both teams were kind of filling each other out a little bit. A um, couple interceptions early, one by Wilson, another one by Stafford. And they just kind of traded field position there for a little while. And then they got mm-hmm. into the second quarter, about nine minutes left, and that's when it started um, happening, you know, in a positive way for Seattle. And, uh, you know, I just I thought it was interesting because I wasn't expecting that at all. I, I was really honestly expecting something in the – in the thirties for both teams, as far as the score. And then after Seattle scored early, the seven points, um, in the second quarter, that was it. I mean, yeah. they, they had the drive by Geno Smith there in the fourth quarter, which was kind of fun to see kind of made the game interesting for a minute. I got within six points, but then the defense came right back out on the field, couldn't yeah. get a stop. And that was the end. Yeah. The, the, um, the the defense just could not get a stop uh for most of the second half at one point the you know the rams had scored on three out of four drives uh, i think it ended up being um four out of six drives in the second half where they got points uh you you're not going to win games when you when you give up yards and 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 points like that they the, this is just not a team that can get stops they just they're just not a good defensive football team yeah, it, you know, I came to the cl- conclusion, I wrote this in my notes, my last page, right after the game, well, right right before I kind of came in here to record, and I wrote down, I wrote, either we have a bad scheme or we have bad players, and we or have both. players that can't execute the scheme. So we're very familiar with the scheme. The scheme's been in place roughly, give or take some tweaks, for the entire tenure of Pete Carroll being here. And they've mm-hmm. had three three different coordinators, lots of different assistants. The common denominators, Pete, though, it's his defense. It works. We know it works. We know it works with the right personnel. Um, but they have not been able to gather the right kind of folks in this scheme to make it work properly. I don't know if you can say that. Um, I mean, it's one thing for a scheme to work when you've got uh, first ballot Hall of Famers like uh, Richard sure. Sherman and and um, you know Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor on your back end, 
it's another thing for your scheme to work when you've got um, significantly lesser players. Uh, and, and that's what the CX have right now. So there is a, there is definitely, you can look at, especially at corner, um, there's a talent issue. The they missed so many things, though. I mean, we it, just can't, it is talent, we, we, but they missed so many opportunities. Yeah, we can't. I don't think we can also claim that it the, just give the scheme a pass because, you know, honestly, I think almost any scheme would have worked with the talent the Seattle had, you know, in the in the 2012 to 2015 range. Um, it's I don't you know what I mean? So it's. It, Giving the scheme a pass because the the players were really good, um, you know, for a while uh, is I don't know if that's accurate because I I just think that there are some there are some concerns. We don't dial up the blitz in at the right time. It seems that it comes predictably, and the other teams are always ready for it. Um, and and part of it is though that I don't they can't trust they don't trust their corners. Yeah, because their corners just aren't good. So it's you know, hard to Keith, dial up a blitz when you can't cover. Keith, I took five, I literally took five pages of notes on this show so that I could be prepared. And I don't think that I took the time to write barely a couple of sentences out of five pages regarding the defense. Like there were no standout plays. There were really, you know, a couple of different third down stops. Um, there was the interception by Diggs in the end zone, uh, mm-hmm. which was a bad throw by Stafford. But, you know, Diggs was there and made the play. And that was a, a nice momentum builder. But we really couldn't do anything off of that. Yeah, because um, immediately after, um, you know, that, that pass to Lockett got tips up, gets tipped up into the air and intercepted. Uh, and the Rams are yeah. right back. And, and that know, throw was, was behind Lockett, too. You know, that was mm-hmm. a bad throw, you know. And we could be talking and bantering back and forth about how poorly the offense is playing. Um, given the fact that the best drive of the entire day was by our backup quarterback that hadn't thrown a touchdown in four years, um, there might be a problem. Well, to be fair, he hadn't really played in four years. Uh, <laughs> Nonetheless, pretty I know. pretty decent performance for a guy that's, you know, yeah, uh, no field for a while. So, and that's the reason why the Seahawks keep bringing Geno Smith back. I mean, this is a guy who's an experienced starting quarterback. But what I'm saying is, Geno seemed to play within the scheme, this the within the offense, the way that it was designed. He got the ball out quick. Yeah, when he needed to scramble around and stuff, he extended plays. I thought he did really well doing that. Oh, I thought Geno nonetheless, he got the ball out quick. His receivers were open when he threw to them. Um, that last interception was just one of those deals where Lockett got his feet tangled, fell down. Yeah, that should have. I, I feel like that should have been a penalty. It was kind of um, in, incidental in a, in a sense. I mean, I get it could go either way, but you want that call at that time. But the ball's again, off. if it was against you, you wouldn't want the referees the ball, to determine the ball game at that point. I don't know. The ball's in the air, right? And the defender makes contact with the offensive player. Even How if confident were you feeling right, right then? None. Like if Geno Smith completes that pass, we could be talking about a completely different result in this game. Well, I, I'm, I'm still not confident because I'm not confident that that the, this offense, especially with him at quarterback, we're going to be able to get the ball down the field and score a touchdown. They might have if he with no timeouts. 
yeah, if he completes that pass, Lockett gets upfield a little bit, gets out of bounds. Okay, now it's, you know, they're, they reload for the next play. Uh, are you confident that they can string together three or four more of those to get into the end zone? Because I'm not. He did it, the you know, the drive before that. You know, what I'm saying is he was giving us a chance. You know, the the cool thing is he gave us a chance. Um, yeah, he we did. did. We weren't he successful. Played, but... He played significantly better than I think most teams would ever dream their backup quarterback would come in and do. But it was just a, a drastic contrast uh, between first and second halves for Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. They played poorly on offense and defense in the second half. Give it, yeah. Setting aside the one drive by Geno Smith. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Rams left this game with over 400 yards total offense. They ran every, the ball on us when they needed to run the ball on us. Every they, team leaves a game against Seattle with over 400 yards of total offense. Well, and they they had, you know, between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Oh, those they two had teams. 19 receptions for 242 yards combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were able to carve us up. The hard part is and you know how this scheme is supposed to work. Everything's supposed to be up in front and that's fine. Nothing over the top they're not succeeding at that even um and yeah. there's too there's too much of a buffer in be, you know for these receivers to have they just carve us up a guy mm-hmm. like stafford you know had 300 and some odd yards in the second half yeah. 250 almost in the second in the third quarter and that was the deciding factor in the game well and a part of it is that like the defense had the right scheme call like the right play call and the right then the people were in position to make a play on the ball on that long the the really long one like the 70 some yard um play to to robert woods but the ball ended up being out under thrown and you've got um adams reacting and starting to go like he's expecting the ball to be thrown where it should have been thrown so he's going deep and he doesn't get his head around fast enough to see that it was i mean that's an interceptable pass but nobody turned around um guys were in position if it's a well-thrown pass it's probably picked but because it was a terribly thrown pass you know it ended up as a cat as a catch and run for a ton of yards 64 I mean, yards yeah those are just those are those are plays that i mean football's a weird game right um and like i said if the, but the rams offense, were more successful at creating chunk plays you know big plays Plays that Pete Carroll prides himself in not allowing teams to complete. Oh, that, and that is, and most of that has to do with the fact that they can't cover anyway, anyone. 
and, I mean, and, they, they and and you have to think given the fact that you know the rams are the rams this is at home we gave them the best shot we gave them the best shot this is the best shot that this team has they came off a win it's at home we're playing a division rival to get back in some sort of a commanding seat at the table in the nfc west and this is the performance that we put out see i don't know if i if i would agree with that statement because it's a third what else can we possibly do on defense to make this a a more challenging game for the rams tell me it's a it's a thursday night game which means there's almost no game planning that can go into it there had they didn't practice this week because you don't practice on that uh they're they're missing uh guys to injury and I, 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 the idea that you can say, well, this is their best shot. I don't believe that to be true because of the situation that they're in. Is it, it's not their best shot when Chris Carson isn't playing. Chris Carson, um, Rashad Penny, D. Eskridge, Gerald Everett, Robert, Robert Camdichi was a, was an inactive scratch, but those other four guys were injuries. I give you that. And, yeah. and those guys and are then, all on offense. And then you lose your quarterback halfway through the game. Um, like it turns didn't... out that that wasn't the difference though necessarily you can't you cannot tell me that geno smith is as talented a quarterback as russell wilson he's not there are certain days there are certain days and certain times and certain games where a backup comes in and for whatever reason lights a spark that's kind of what happened on that drive i'll give geno smith all the credit for that oh, absolutely. There. he's a consummate pro he was ready absolutely he, he took command of the offense he changed plays at the line of scrimmage i thought all of that was awesome and encouraging mm-hmm. actually but R- russell wilson is kind of playing outside the scheme a little bit it seems to me well, and then he's done that his entire career. That's he a, he has, but that's at part this of what moment, makes him great. This moment, though, in Shane Waldron's new offense, you kind of want him to kind of play within a structure when they're struggling because it seems like that might be the best path forward. Because every time they take chances, he's taking sacks. They're getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. His receivers, you know, he's he's waiting too long, not hitting receivers when they're open in their first window of opportunity he's waiting for the second window of opportunity and it seems like it's just causing some chaos there where maybe there isn't really chaos well it's hard i I get it i know i'm throwing that out there but this is what wilson has done his entire career yes he adds he adds a layer of chaos he adds a layer of um frustration when there's stuff there and he doesn't take it because he's looking for the big play but there you cannot argue with the fact that he adds the big play ability and the ability to strike quickly and things because of the way he plays right he is a guy that it generates explosive yeah. plays listen i'm not a russell hater by any stretch of the imagination we all know that but um i will say that it would be interesting to have him kind of settle in a little bit and play within that structure to see if maybe that would get this team to create some momentum especially on third down conversions yeah um and it's i get the idea of the big play and stuff and that's really the hero ball stuff is really kind of gotten us this far you Mm -hmm. know in the last two or three years quite frankly with an inferior um roster 
it's just it's it's hard and i don't know i don't know what to do about the defense because yeah. regardless of what we're talking about with russell wilson and the offense none of it matters at all if the, if when we can't stop anybody bad. yeah so um when you're looking at at, at the the russell wilson stuff you're not going to get i mean i I don't want to say I, I I don't think Russell Russell Wilson isn't the problem, but I'm not going to disagree with you on saying that um, there are times when you have to dial him in and be like, just run the play, right? Do get us the first down. And it, you were just talking, and it made me think of um, the early Sean Alexander years with Mike Holmgren, and Holmgren got frustrated with Sean Alexander because he would bounce everything. He had great vision; he could see the line and the blocks and he would bounce stuff and he would, there are times when, you know, he would, he was just, you know, kind of freelancing and doing his thing and it would frust, frustrate Holmgren, but it was part of what made Alexander great. And he, you know, got in and he was like, all right, there are certain plays third and one, just run the play, just hit the hole as it's designed. Don't do, don't freelance, don't do anything. And they had kind of this thing where, there were times when he would get Alexander to do his thing and other times when he would let him uh, be a Sean Alexander. And it was part of why the, the, the pairing worked so well in 2005 with the um, then record for touchdowns. Um, what we need is Shane Waldron to do the same thing with Russell Wilson. Let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson. But on third and four, just complete the screen pass or the sorry the the slant pass get the first down and then live to play another another series and go be Russell Wilson again on first and second down like so we got a they, we got a we got a comment that kind of plays into this a little bit Camden McLaren longtime listener hey Camden yeah. Russ cares too much about his greatness sometimes it's like he'd rather take three sacks and five three and outs to complete a seven yard pass that's not wrong um, I don't know if he if it's him and and greatness, I, um, but he just talks about knowing how to win, and this is what he did. If you go back and watch his tape from when he was at West Virginia, and even when he was at Wisconsin, North um, Carolina, you mean? No, he, uh, oh, NC was it NC State? NC State, yeah, yeah. Okay, North Carolina State. I was thinking, I was thinking yeah, um, but yeah. So you, you go back and, and you watch his college tape. He wants to go deep. He wants to generate explosive plays because that's how he wins, right? It's okay if you take if you go three and out and three and out and three and out if on the next drive you complete that 76-yard pass and um, and he's done that somehow some way consistently he's carried teams on his back his entire career. Yes. Other than the Super Bowl team and even then he had his moments. Oh yeah. Um I mean down the stretch there were times when that was an offensive team and as much as a, of a defensive team. Um, right. I mean, he didn't have to carry them because the defense was so good those years, but he was capable of it. And he showed that but um, right now, the defense is not giving us extra opportunities in games. No. We saw, we saw a turnover in this game, which is, it's great to see it a second turnover in, in two weeks for, for digs there. Um, but in general, we're not getting those extra opportunities. So it's critical that we convert at least 50% of our third down opportunities. Yeah. Now, last year we were close to 40%. That's just not sustainable in the NFL. You're not going to mm-hmm. win a lot of games. And, and we were lucky to win games and, and put, put Russ on our backs, you know, at the end of games to, to get that record. And 
Uh, but but in typical fashion, you want to get close to 50% completion percentage on third downs because otherwise you're overly reliant on your defense. And, yeah. and we are not that team. We are no. not. We have a middling defense. We thought they might be better on paper when we were in preseason and we were giving predictions and we were talking about individual players and it all kind of coming together. It looked like it might work. Now, we knew that we were going to have issues and struggles with the defensive backs we just were um and we thought maybe we could compensate a little bit with the pass rush we get a effective consistent pass rush it would help protect that back end for seattle and that just hasn't proven out it's so bad on the back end it doesn't really matter what's going on in the front end yeah and the front end isn't getting to the quarterback nearly as much as was expected. I mean, they've got so many pass rushers, but when when they brought Dunlap back, and you knew that Alton Robinson and and that's and what makes Darryl, me question the scheme. Daryl Taylor were going to play, and and you know they they brought Benson Mayo back, and um, they signed Kerry Hyder, and you knew that Rasheem Green or, or Collier was going to get some play. There's a lot of defensive ends. There's a lot of pass rushers, and and Somebody's Jamal Adams. Get home. You know yeah. what's going on there? Let's They're talk not, about Jamal there. Adams for a minute. Like they're there not, was a lot of complaining him. right now going on in the Twitterverse about Jamal Adams, his lack of play, his lack of leadership, his lack of intensity on the field, his lack of willingness to stick his head in there on tackles, kind of making some business decisions a couple of times I saw. Uh, he was, they had him in situations where he's trying to set the edge on running plays and getting swallowed like whole yeah. by tight ends. Yeah, that, that um, I'm not happen. exactly sure what's going on with the scheme here, but it, it's not taking advantage of his skill sets. It's Agreed. not taking full advantage of of Taylor, I don't think. Although Taylor looks amazing out there. He's one of the guys out there that really does stand out. Brooks seems to be struggling. Why is he covering wide receivers 20 yards downfield? Like something's going on where the whole handoff thing in the zone scheme. So in a zone scheme, you've got your defenders. That, are, that have the initial coverage up until about seven yards, and then they hand that off for middle and deep coverage to either defensive backs or uh, or a dime safety, you know, on that back end. And something is going on in that translation there where miscommunication is happening and players are being left wide open all over the field. And it's oh, not just over. now and again. It's consistently throughout the game. When it was happening a lot last year, early in the season, until the, the same thing is happening. Uh, I can't even believe the, what I'm watching. Yeah, until the team had that um, accountability meeting where ever they went through and and everyone had to say what their responsibility was on on a on a play call and, and that kind of stuff. And how do you not get how, where where is that? during training camp and the preseason and how do you get five weeks into the season and you guys still don't know what their job is on a particular play call i mean the communication that's that should be happening between the defensive backs um isn't happening it just isn't and you know i i it's easy to look at um ken norton jr and just point the finger because he's the guy in charge of the defense but um, when I, you look at the way these things work, he comes up with, the, with, with all the stuff, the game plan, the scheme, he presents it to the position coaches. The position coaches have to teach the players somewhere between 
Ken Norton Jr. and the game, uh, that plan, that game plan, all the stuff that he does is not being translated to or, the players properly. Or Ken Norton Jr. is not doing a good job up front. And those player and those coaches and those players are trying in spite of the effect that Ken Norton is having on calling a game. Yeah. And so what so I one the, of the two has one to of those be two. happening. So either he's not teaching the position coaches well enough. You wouldn't, that they you can wouldn't do expect it. him to teach them. They should, well, you know, those position coaches should know. He's got, to, he's got to relay the game plan. Like that, that's, that's how it works. He comes up with it. It goes from him to the position coaches to the players. And if the transition is from him to the position coaches, if that's not happening, if that level of communication is poor, it's not going to get to the players. Oh, no, absolutely. And if it's, if it's, he's doing his job, the position coaches are doing theirs and the players aren't doing theirs because they don't, trust ken norton jr or they're just not executing or whatever um that's a problem too because it, if they're not going to run the scheme because they don't trust the coaching staff that's a problem for the coaching staff as much as it is for the players and if it's they just simply um are making this decision not to run to do the scheme because um they just don't feel like it's working or because um, it's just, they're just, they want to freelance and they don't want to do what, what's being asked of them, then they shouldn't be playing, right? Forget talent. If you're not going to run the play as it's called, then find the bench and we'll play someone who will. All you do out there, all you see, if you're really watching, and of course you can see it on the all 22 better than you can on the broadcast views. All you do throughout the entire game is see players bitching and moaning at each other about being out of position calling them out, pointing fingers, yelling at, at, at players, mm -hmm. being frustrated, like throwing their arms down and just like, it's, it's very frustrating to watch it because is. you know how it should work because we've seen it successfully implemented over many years. And to see this struggle in the last couple of years with the same basic coaching staff, I mean, Ken Norton's been with the team, been with Pete, around Pete Carroll for a long time. He knows how to how this thing is supposed to work. I, yeah, I feel pretty Pete confident about team. that, right? Yeah. So something is happening. Some disruption, some either one or many players are either choosing not to listen and going out there and doing their own thing or it is getting lost in translation, but I, I still feel it's even deeper than that because these players have been around a while. There's a lot of players here that have been in this scheme for a while now. They've gone through the entire preseason, through all of training camp. They know how, they have the playbook. They know how it's supposed to work, but it's not happening. So you almost have to point to the players in the, in the fact that somebody or many of them are choosing not to follow the scheme the way it's designed. That's what it yeah. looks like. No, and 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 to me, that it comes down to if 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 it's that that many players doing it, it's either that they don't trust the coaches, and it's a problem with, and that's a huge problem because the coaches have lost the players, right? Um, and that's when you know changes need to be made on the coaching staff, or 
it means they're choosing not to because they think they're better. The team will be better if they freelance instead of doing it. And at that point, they should be benched, even if it's just a short, like a little bit, yeah. um, to to make a to prove the point. Like, and I think some of that happened. We saw Amadi get benched for Ryan Neal, um, and in this game, Amadi was back playing again. And I, th- it's hard to tell because of you know this. We're gonna have and, yeah, we're gonna have to camera. watch yeah. I, when the all 22 comes out, we'll see. Maybe he did a better job of actually doing his, you know, staying in his responsibilities. Um, I was actually sad that Ryan Neal didn't play more because I thought Ryan Neal was a big spark plug for the defense um, last Sunday. And I, yeah, I don't know. Would have I don't wanted get him to be out there. I did see um, Marquise Blair out there. In fact, Marquise Blair had a nice pass breakup mm-hmm. you know, on, on the edge of the sideline at one point. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I, he, he wasn't standing out to the point where I saw him. After that, you know, uh, Daryl Taylor had a couple of nice plays. He had a nice sack. I thought that that effort on that sack that he had was stellar. But that was it. Like, there were yeah. no other real pressures. Stafford was back there all day kind of doing what he needed to do, what he wanted to do. He stayed in rhythm. Mm-hmm. Their wide receivers were able to get wide open, and he just kind of picked his spots. Yeah, And the then their, their, their rushing game was as effective as it need, needed to be with Henderson. And um, <laughs> that was plenty. That was plenty. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. just it feel it felt like they they should have won by more. Um, it was it was too easy in the second half for the Rams. It really yes. was right. And that's been the case. You know, go look, go and look at um, every game except for the Forty Nine er game. It was somewhat easy for um, the Colts in the second half, but by then the Seahawks were were so far out in front it didn't matter but in all the games since then except for against san francisco when they had their backup quarterback in um it was just really really easy in the second half for teams to march up and down on the field and score a lot of points against seattle and that is a problem and that's and, the problem that is big going chunk away. plays you know 24 yard mm-hmm. plays 33 yard plays 12 yard runs they just you know over and over so mm-hmm. any any hula. So um I I I was going to, you know, go through the, the game, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, all you know, all the key plays, all that stuff. Eh. I don't I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, no, no reason to. This so, is one of those um we need everybody needs to have one of these. And to just these. Yep. Um drinking wine today or margarita. Cheers. Uh yeah, it would be um Northern California Napa Valley red. See, I'm drinking a pump. I'm drinking a pumpkin beer from Elysia. There it's you go. Dark of the moon. Pumpkin. Now, this is this is what listeners want to want us to talk about. Yeah, of course, forget, they do. forget the game. You know. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about what we're drinking. Um, <laughs> but everyone, everyone, everyone watching, go have one of these. Uh, realize it's a football game. It's not the end of the world. Um, oh, absolutely. And, yeah. so, and go enjoy, go enjoy your weekend because yeah. Well, we don't have yeah. to play now. So that's that's the bonus coming out of this game. I think we've got about a week and a half to regroup. Our next game mm-hmm. is at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh um, really struggling right now. It's a good game so, to get right. It's a good yeah. game to get right. And it's a good game for Russell Wilson to kind of heal up. Don't know exactly what's going on. Looks like a dislocation. I've had plenty of those before in football. They're no fun. I was actually surprised he wasn't able to get out there and throw again. And well, he when he precautionary move on when he on, when he he would extend his hand and the and his middle finger wouldn't extend with it, it would it was staying bent. So the ball was rolling up and and, and he could not get his he could not actually extend 
uh, the last joint on that finger. And that's, yeah, you can't, you can't throw the ball because you can't, um, you can't grip it right. You can't. The good news in a, is on a dislocation, it does take about five days for the mm -hmm. swelling to go down on something like that, but the swelling will go down and he should be good as long as he can tape it next, you know, next time he goes out. So, mm -hmm. um, what else are you concerned about? Like in, in the next week and a half, like, you know, there's going to be some disruption here. The team's two and four or not yeah. two and four. Are they, um, two and three, two and three. And um, that's, they need and, and when we're already three games back in this division, yeah. we've yep. played five games. This was the kind of the worst case scenario for me when we did the prediction show. Uh, we went went through game by game. This was kind of more in line with what you thought may transpire. To be completely honest, it's a I'm tough start curious. to schedule. I'm I'm curious as to how you feel about the way that you thought the season would go, and the way that it looks like it's gone. And what is your hope for kind of getting back on track if it's possible? Well, I thought the offense would be a little better. Um, just because of the pairing of Wilson's skill set with um, Waldron, Waldron, I thought that would be a, a the the results would be. I mean, the the explosive plays are there, the points are there. You look, go back and look at all the games. There's, you know, uh, especially in the first three where they built big leads early on. Um, the part that we wanted to see was there, but just not that consistency of being able to operate within that structure and keep it going. Um, but, but the offense at least has been, it's been doable. Uh, and we've we, been missing player, you know, and in, in fact, that's probably, you know, we start to look way ahead. Like how do we improve this team next year? You got to do something with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, you know, our playmakers well, Penny, at, at a very key position are completely yeah. missing. And then yep. you've got D. Eskridge, who was a, a high draft pick, who hasn't had a chance to really sniff the field or make any impact whatsoever. I feel bad for him. Concussions are awful. Don't want to mm -hmm. take any chances there. But nonetheless, we're missing a huge playmaker there. Gerald Everett got kind of screwed out of being back in time for this game with the league not getting that COVID-19 negative test back in time to allow him to play. So it, there's just a lot. Of, it seems like there's a lot of things working against Seattle's offense. But they seem to be working against themselves in, uh, at that some level too. And and so I mean, I'm okay with the way the offense is playing because I you it's obvious their best football is in front of them and they're gonna start things are gonna start to click and things will get go better. I honestly believe that as long as Wilson's finger is okay. Um I'm concerned about the defense because I don't know if there's a fix. You can't make cornerbacks be better. Um, you know, you, you can't, the, the pass rushers aren't getting to the quarterback in the way that they should in term, when you look at, at the talent and, and the paper and stuff. So, and the question is why, what, what are they doing? What are they being? I think they're missing do? a stout defensive tackle. Uh, they're probably missing Jerron Reed a little more than they probably would want to admit. You know, Jerron was a great steady interior player who gave them some interior push and some disruption there that allowed teams uh, to have to, to have to pay attention to him a little bit in the middle and give our outside guys some more opportunities. And then Jamal Adams is kind of a factor that we haven't really talked about too much. And we're not talking about him too much because he hasn't had any effect on rushing yeah. the passer this year. Last year, by this time, um, he was already impacting that in a big way in, in mm -hmm. the fact that they were blitzing him three, four times a game and he was having an effect. And I haven't seen any of that this year. 
Yeah. And I mean, it comes down to, um, they just, they aren't using him in that same way. They're not blitzing him. They're not, it's frustrating. It really, I know last year they felt like they had to blitz him because they just couldn't get to the quarterback if they didn't. Um, but it worked. They got to the quarterback by blitzing him. Now they're like, oh, we don't need to. We've got all these other pass rushers, but they're not getting home. You know what I mean? So if you're not going to get the pressure that you want, that you if you expect to get, you've got to bring more pressure. And he's your he's your most talented and most effective blitzer. Yeah. And, and I, there's a large segment of the crowd out there that has kind of had this sentiment out there um at least in writing on twitter is the fact that you know our defense is crappy anyway we're giving up tons of chunk plays tons of chunk yards even though we don't intend to we are so why not take some chances why not dial those things up why not why not cause some disruption yeah you're going to get burned but they're already getting burned on short screen plays over and over and over again Mm -hmm. um they're already allowing tons of underneath throws to be completed when they're buffering guys by six or seven yards off the receiver. They're just giving those yards away. Why not dial those up? You know, get Brooks involved. Brooks has got one of the best best speed linebackers in the game. He's really struggling at dropping back into coverage. Why not send him at the line of scrimmage? You know, use his skill set, his speed. He can go sideline to sideline for you. Get him out there and, and see what he can do rushing the passer. Um, it's t- I think it's time. What I'm saying is we're two and three. Uh, this could be a long season. I think it's time to start experimenting inside, yeah, the, inside to see if there's something that will work. Because right now, nothing is working. No, yeah, nothing is working. And, and you and I have said this multiple times. You're giving up the big plays anyway. You might as well blitz and go and, yeah, guess what? You're going to give up big plays, but you're doing it anyway. But you also can generate turnovers. You can generate big plays for your your defense. And better to give up a bunch of points but then get a bunch of turnovers on other drives than just give up points. And well, not- You're in a live and die situation right now. You're either going to have to live and, and die by the blitz or you're going to die by, by attrition. Yeah. So you might as well have an opportunity to at least live. Because mm-hmm. right now, the only option is dying. So we might as well give us an option to live. That's and a, yeah, that's a, you, <laughs> that's a deep you, philosophical. You, yeah, you took, you took, you took that <laughs> right to a, a fairly morbid place there, Bill. Um, so it's let's, uh, <laughs> right. It's getting late. Yep. Let's go ahead and, and, and wrap this up. Cause this has been, um, not as cathartic as I hoped it would be when, when I was like, yeah, let's get on here and do it right as soon as the game ends. Um, I was hoping it's, it would be it's cathartic. In there. I mean, it feels good. I, you know, it's 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 a frustrating thing, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're my team. I love them. Absolutely. Uh, come on here and and bitch and moan and dish on them, but when it's all said and done, I also want them to succeed. I want them to be successful, and I want Jamal Adams to have greatness. I mean, he's got the ability. They just need to figure out a way to use him. He needs to be able to play within himself. Also, you could run through the entire roster. I mean, there's some good guys. There's some great players. It's just not, for whatever reason, it's not coming together. Now I think they need to start experimenting, allowing other players that haven't had an opportunity yet to come in and, and affect the game and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, any hoodaloo. All right, let's get out of here. Let's I'm Bill. Get out of here. I'm Bill, Northwest Seahawk on Twitter. Keith is 
at Myers NFL on Twitter. Seahawksplaybook.com has all of the everything that we do. Uh, you can find us all the links on there, all the subscription buttons. And then you can subscribe directly on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Don't miss a single show. We're putting out three shows a week now. And uh, it's a great little show. We have a lot of fun. I think we're up. This is our official 260, uh, 60th episode that we've uh, put out and uh, happens to be a live show. So I uh, really enjoyed that. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.